Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning, for the privilege that we have to be able to open your word freely, to allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts as only you can do. Father, I pray that as we go through our lesson today, that something that we've never seen before will just jump out at us, and it will make us different in our relationship with you. Father, I just pray that everything that is done and said will glorify you and edify each one of us. Just help us now, Father, to calm our thoughts and our hearts, because I know we came in here with different things on our mind this morning. And so I just ask, Father, that you help us to calm that down and to just allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us in that inner man so that we are children that honors you and just praises you for all that we have, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a man out for a walk, and he came to a bridge, and he was afraid to cross it. So he said, Lord, can I hold your hand because I'm afraid to cross this bridge? The Lord said, no. He said, why not, Lord? I don't understand. Why can't I hold your hand? The Lord said, well, my son, you see, if you hold my hand, and as you're crossing the bridge, you become afraid, you may turn loose. But if I hold your hand, I will never turn you loose. That song we just got through singing, we're in the palm of the Lord's hand, and nothing can separate us from that. I think in today's age, as we're going through so many different things, our family members are sick, just everything we hear, it can become fearful. But if we remember who holds our hand, it'll make a difference in how we approach these things because we know God will never turn us loose. So let's go ahead now and get started in our study of 1 Peter 3. We only have five verses, verses 8 to 12. And I'm just going to do them verses as the study goes. So the first two verses are going to be verses 8 and 9. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful or sympathetic. Be courteous, in verse 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, which is an, don't um, return insult for insult, but give a blessing instead, know that, knowing that you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Now, on your handout sheet, there are blanks. And so when I come to the answer for the blanks, I'll pause long enough for you to write the answer in. And if you don't get it, later on you can come up and, or see me and we'll fill them in later. As we go through our study, note the number of times the word but is used. Remember, when you come to the word but, it usually will wipe out what has previously been said. For example, I might say, I love chocolate cake, which I do. But I love chocolate pie more, which I do. (laughs) But which one are you going to remember? That I love the chocolate pie more than I love the chocolate cake. So when you come to the but, remember it. What's been said up here has been wiped out by what's said down here. So just remember that as we go through. When you come to the word but, 
it will give you a contrast between two things. In verse 8, Peter starts out with finally, which means he's going to sum everything up. And he tells us to be of one mind. Well, right away we're in trouble because we will never be of one mind if we look at this statement from the natural man's standpoint. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, which was one of our um, scriptures from our homework, says, But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he that is uh, spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no man. For who can know the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of the Lord. The comparison here is between the spiritual man and the natural man. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. So if we have the mind of Christ, what should that look like and act like? What was in Jesus' mind? Philippians 2.5 says, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He emptied himself of self, and he did that by free choice. His entire mindset was on doing the Father's business. That is the one mindset that you and I are to have. What does the Father require of me? And what does he want me to accomplish while I'm here, right here, and right now? Once we have um, this mindset that we want to be about the Father's business, there are certain things that should follow. Uh, let's take, the, for example, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And out of that love comes the other eight attributes. So I looked at this as if we have one mind... What should come out of that one mind? How should that one mind act? How did Jesus' mind act? And so I thought, well, the first thing is, what Peter says here is going to be compassion. And what does compassion mean? It means to feel sympathy or pity. <clears throat> In Matthew 5, 32, Jesus was, had compassion on the multitude because they had been with him for three days and had no food. He had compassion for them enough to meet their need. Compassion requires action. And the next thing Peter says is that we are to have is love for the brethren. What kind of love? As Pastor Jim has been teaching throughout 1 Corinthians, and especially in chapter 13, we see the ultimate type of love, and that's God's agape love, and it was on full display in chapter 13. And 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but with deed and truth. Love, real love, requires action. Action speaks louder than words. We have all heard that statement, and it's very true. But we are to love our enemies as well as, our, as the brethren. The evidence of love is compassion. Love reveals itself in pity, 
a tender heart toward others. Love never acts unbecomingly toward others. And then next, Peter says we are to be tender-hearted or kind-hearted or kind. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit that we've already talked about from Galatians 5.22. Again, we can see kindness is best expressed with action, not just words. And last is courteous. This is not saying thank you, please, or you are welcome. It is other person-centered. You let them go in front of you in the checkout line when you have a full cart, and maybe they only have two or three items. You let them merge. This is my... This just irks me. (laughs) I see the sign. It says merge. Lane's going to end, and somebody comes like this in front of everybody. You know they saw the sign because you did. And yet... Instead of getting upset, instead of, you know, becoming discourteous or unkind-hearted or any of the other things you want, you just have to say, Lord, protect them because they're going to need it. <laughs> so you let them do that. And it, um, courteous, being courteous requires an action, as we can see. You have to do something to be courteous. It's not just, well, think I should do this. I should let them in, or I should let them go first, or I should do this. You don't just think it. You actually do it. So there's an action required. Here in verse 8, Peter has listed the things we are to do. And now he goes to verse uh, 9 and lists the things we are not to do. The things to do can be hard enough, but now he gives us the hardest in, uh, hardest to do. I'm glad he listed those first things first instead of starting with these tough things first. Verse 9 says, not returning evil for evil. Now, wait a minute. You're getting into my rights. I've got a right, but we have to remember, as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no rights. We are totally his servant. So I must die to myself in order to have the mind of Christ. Romans twelve nineteen says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And that, again, I must remember that God knows how to take care of things better than I do, even though sometimes I think I got a pretty good idea. And then the rest of verse 9 says, Or do not return insult for insult. I can certainly defend myself, but I must do it in love. There is power in the tongue and in words. We just saw in 1 Peter 3, 4, the power of a gentle and quiet spirit. It is hard to argue with someone who will not argue. Uh, Now remember, these are things we are not to do. My husband worked out of town five days a week when our boys were growing up. So I had to find a way to get their attention because those of you who have boys know they only have two volumes, loud and louder. So if I tried to get their attention by yelling, I was only joining them. So I would have uh, to simply say their names softly and quietly. And they knew mom was at the end of her rope. There was going no further. This was the end of it. And it was amazing. It worked. 
Even as they were teenagers, it worked. I haven't tried it on them since they're adults, so (laughs) maybe I should, (laughs) just to see if it still works. So how do you give a blessing instead of an insult? Simply by the gentle and quiet spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but by the gentle and quiet spirit that yells in its power. We also do this because in it we receive a blessing in return. We are blessed because hurt feelings were not incurred. That, uh, we, that words were not spoken that can never be taken back. Because words do hurt. There's a saying that said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words can last a lifetime. Even if there's forgiveness, even if there's reconciliation, those words are still there. So they last a long time. A a broken bone will heal. But sometimes those words hurt so bad they never heal. Verses 10 and 11 says, For he that loves life... And sees good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. To love life is a decision we have to make. It is an act of the will. It is an attitude of faith. That is, that sees the best in every situation. Next, we must control our tongue and we must seek and pursue peace. Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, so much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. This does not mean peace at any price. But righteousness... must always be the basis for peace. We must be sure that we are not the cause or lack of peace because sometimes peace is not possible with some people. They just want to argue. As I was going through these verses, I thought back on Pastor Jim's words on 1 Corinthians 13. And I thought, can I find in, those, in that chapter where Jesus did just what Peter told us to do? And, of course, the answer is yes. And, you know, in chapter 13, you can take the word out, the the word love out and insert Jesus' name in there, and it does not change the context or the content of that chapter at all. It's the same. So that's kind of what I did. So I thought, well, where can I find uh, compassion in chapter 13 of Corinthians? It says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. We can put Jesus, uh, I just already said that. And the next one was love. Where in in, uh, chapter 13 can you find love? Well, it's the very last verse, verse 13. The greatest of these is love. What about kindness or tenderness? 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Love bears all things. What about courteous? 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Does not act unseemingly, seeks not his own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. 
Then I thought, well, are there other places in Scripture where Jesus does not do what Peter has told us not to do, since he is our example? He has set the example that we are to follow in his steps. Is, are there places where we can find that? And of course, the answer is yes. Things not to do that Jesus did not do. He did not render evil for evil or insult for insult. In Matthew 27, 12, Jesus is before Pilate, and he does not respond to any of the charges that have been made against him. Isaiah 53, 7 is one that we all know and, and love because it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is dumb. So he, so he opened not his mouth. I've often wondered why Jesus never tried to defend himself. And I thought, well, had he defended himself, he would have vindicated himself and been innocent of all charges and they would have been dropped. Therefore, salvation would not have been obtained. So Jesus really couldn't answer because his prayer in the garden, remember what he said was, not my will, but your will be done. That was his whole purpose, to do the Father's will. He did not return insult for insult. Mark 15.3 says, He answered not the chief priest and scribes. So to sum up these verses, we can ask ourselves one question, and it will give us the answer on how to do or not to do the things that Peter has listed in these four verses. And that is to ask ourselves this question. And you are going to know the answer. WWJD. What's it mean? What would Jesus do? That's how we do or not do these things. Because he is our example. And we could re see that in 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23, which we had a couple of lessons ago. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. And then in Matthew fifteen eighteen to 20, But these things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. Verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. This is why we try to have the mind of Christ. Because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Wearsby's commentary says, As Christians we can live on one of three levels. Number one, we can return evil for good, which is on the satanic level. Number two, we can return good for good and evil for evil, which is on the human level. 
And number three, we can return good for evil, which is on the divine level. Jesus is our perfect picture for having one mind. And that is the one thing that you and I can have one mind about, is we all want to know what the will of the Father is for us to do, and we want to be able to do it to honor and please him. I want to close with a picture, and there are two things I want you to notice about the picture. If you find them, don't say and seen this picture, don't say anything out loud just yet. Just just wait a minute, and you then you can say out loud what you see. Okay, Shelley, you want to? Most of the time, when we see pictures of Jesus on the cross, his head is down. We can't see his eyes. But in this picture, to me anyway, it looks like he's been looking down through the ages and he's looking right at me and right at you. The eyes. You know what this is a sign for? I love you. Look at his hand. He's on the cross. What better picture of love and being of one mind. There's a a song that says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Uh, And here is the reason we strive to be of one mind, to have the mind of Christ, to have the mind set on what the Father has set for, for each one of us to do, to give a blessing instead of an insult, to be a peacemaker, to guard our words, and to love life because it is the life he has chosen for us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the reminder that we are in your hand and nothing can get us out of your hand and that you will never turn us loose. Thank you, Father, for the example that Jesus has set before us of things to do and things not to do. Sometimes they seem almost impossible But if we keep our mind on the fact that our whole goal in life is to know what it is you want us to do, we can be successful. Maybe not all the time, Lord, but we can be successful. I pray, Father, now as we go into our groups that you will let the discussion time be honoring and glorifying to you and that it would edify the women. We thank you for the food that has been prepared and the hands that prepared it. We thank you, Father, for keeping us safe and for the protection that you have provided around our campus. And most of all, Father, we thank you for the fact that we know that we are loved by the creator of the universe, and he is never, ever going to let us go. He says he will stick closer than a brother. And how grateful we are, Father, for that. As we look at the days that we're living in, and sometimes it just seems impossible to get things straightened out in our minds, But through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we ask that you would enlighten us to know what it is for each one of us and that we honor you with that gentle and quiet spirit. In Jesus' name I pray and thank you. Amen.